Want to talk about a new movie? Check. Want to talk about an older movie similar or related to that new movie? Check. That's what you can expect from Quality Check Podcast. It's a new podcast on the Studio DNA Network hosted by yours truly, Drew Douglas and Daniel Posey. Every other Tuesday, we'll talk about a new movie and an old movie to see how the film's quality holds up. everybody to episode 71 of Disney Plus Reviews. I'm Phil Souza and I'm here with my good friend and co-host Coco Grant Youngsma. How's it going Grant? I'd be a lot better Phil if you uh, brought Coco. <laughs> oh, I mean you had one job. No you're Coco Grant. You're the one that's supposed <laughs> to bring the hot cocoa. Are you sure about that? And the nachos. <laughs> yeah we're talking about Mighty Ducks episode 3. That's why uh, he- chose that slogan or that slogan that's not the right word the nickname uh, nickname for for grant today uh if you're just joining us for this podcast we are an unofficial disney plus podcast every week we review the most popular stuff on disney plus which right now everyone's talking about mighty ducks game changers and the falcon and the winter soldier and not as many people are talking about the big year but we're going to talk about that movie as well uh towards the end here so uh the big year is a a new not a new release a movie came out 10 years ago but um, new to Disney Plus, it just came out on the surface yep. a couple weeks ago. So, uh, but before we do, we like to get into uh, news of the week. Um, there wasn't a whole lot, although we only had like a few days since mm-hmm. the last time we recorded um, to pick up some new news, but uh, not a whole lot came out this week. Uh, there was, I mean, when there's in a lack of news, I think we'll probably default to trailers, like just okay, let's what's, what's coming out next? Yeah. What are they, tra- you know, trailering and stuff like that. Uh, HSM TMS. That's what I'm going to be calling it because high school musical, musical the, the, the the musical the series. The musical, the series. Oh, the series. Yeah. I, I forgot a, a letter. So it's actually HSM TMTS, the longest name in television history. The Christmas special. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, HSM TMTS season two trailer dropped. Yep. Uh, now, I here's my promise to you, Grant. I will watch season one, okay, uh, before this comes out. So I have it's the at the end of the trailer says May fourteenth. Mm-hmm. So we've got, I mean, just over a month. Yeah, it's five weeks. Um, so in the next five weeks, I will commit to watching season one. I still sounds good. Still, so. still, I've not done that. I watched the trailer, and you're going to have to explain to me the drama <laughs> because I don't know who any of these characters are. Ironically, the only thing I've seen from High School Musical, the musical, the series, has been the Christmas special, yeah, which was god awful. Yeah, let me look up some of the names. It's been a while since, because I mean, the last episode aired like. Well, it launched with the yeah sir, with the streaming so, service. Like the last episode was like January of 2020. Yeah. So that's a long it's time. It's been a long time. So basically, where it left off, they had just performed High School Musical. 
yeah, if you're not familiar with this series, it's it is a like current cast. It has nothing to do with the original. Yep. Um, that is basically performing musicals at their high school. They just happen to go to the same high school as yep. as the movies, uh, and they are performing stage presentations of the movies. Basically, yep. so um, when it left us, it was just the end of the show, and Nini, who's the main girl, um, she had been like offered like a scholarship to go to some like famous uh, fine arts academy and her and Ricky the whole season, they were kind of building up their relationship. They had grown apart at the beginning. And then of course they come back together like any Disney (laughs) magic can happen. (laughs) And so this season it looks like Nini indeed went to that other school. And so that's probably where some of the drama is going to happen because um, I'm sure there's going to be some girl that tries to make moves on Ricky. Was that blonde, right? Yeah. In the trailer. And then, so they just performed high school musical last year. And now it looks like, um, this is, it, it appears to me that this is the same school year. Yep. It's just the spring semester. Yep. So now they're going to do beauty and the beast and, they're in some competition with uh, another school, which appears that the teacher, which her name is Miss Jen, oh yeah, looks like her. She's a rival with the other guy, which is Derek Huff. Uh, that's the actor's name. Okay, he's the Julianne Huff's brother. Oh, from, I don't know. I don't know who that is. He's famous for Dancing with the Stars. Oh, okay. So it looks like. Him and Miss Jen probably have a history. So they're in this Alan Menken competition. Isn't that what they say in the trailer? Yeah, it's like, it's basically the Tonys. Yep. And so they're going to do Beauty and the Beast. And we'll see what happens. But I'm sure uh, there'll be plenty of excitement in this show and plenty of drama. Yeah. I. I think you'll definitely get both of those things. Um, the dancing looks really good to me. That's why I like, I like dancing and, yep. and stuff like in I, I like musicals in general, but um, I, I'm not so much into the high school drama thing. Like I know some people like just really like, you know, love that stuff and it excites them. But for me, it's like, it's kind of more of a turnoff than anything. Um, and I, 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 my history with high school musical is almost nil. Like I, yeah. I've seen the third movie mm-hmm. and I haven't even seen the first two movies. Yeah. So like watching, a, a musical series, a TV series based on the first movie. I haven't even seen the first movie. So like, mm-hmm. I just had no interest in watching the show. Uh, I might watch the first movie, but I might not like, I might just literally just jump into yeah, the show. I don't think you really need to watch the movies. Um, I mean, the show first season is kind of similar to kind of not really. Yeah. I don't really think you need to watch the movies. There are some parallels, but it's not yeah. like requirement. Yeah, I probably won't watch it then. Um, I mean, I heard I heard that the first musical is great, but it's not it's it's not like yeah. you know something to write home about. Yeah, I don't I don't think you need to watch the movies at all to understand what's going on. I mean, it may help to understand like the characters that they're playing in the actual musical. Yeah, but I don't think it's a necessity. So I don't know who any of the characters are. I know the actors a little bit just from the Christmas yeah. special, um, which was so lame. I I barely could even you know feign inter- interest for that thing. But um, the 
so there's three schools. It's it's East High, which is where the main characters mm-hmm. go, versus North High. Yeah, is what they say. And then even North High is not where Nini is, so that's a third school. What yeah. we probably won't be following anything other than just Nini. Yeah, I, I don't think that school is going to play any huge role, re- except that Nini's there. Yeah. Um, and then one of the main characters, like one of the main characters is standing right next to the director of the Little Mermaid, the North High Little Mermaid production. So did he, has he always gone to North High or did he, or did he just transfer to North High possibly? I'm not sure. They haven't had North High in it. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's so weird. Like I, I, uh, like I, you would assume that all the main characters from East High are still at East High yeah. um, in the spring, but um, anyway. But I think it'll be good and i'm sure there'll be a live explaining um i haven't seen how many episodes they signed on for for this season but yeah the the cast is all people you've probably never seen before yep. unless you know one of the cast members has been in like in, in a sitcom or something yep. that i haven't seen but like um that i'm really impressed with like even in, in the trailer and i've seen like just little clips of the original season one and these actors are really good yep. and they're obviously extremely talented for uh, for their vocal stylings as well as their dancing mm-hmm. so like i don't see this i don't see there being any chance of this season two being like worse than the se- yeah. the first season. Like I think you're going to get at the very least the same excitement and maybe more. Like maybe mm-hmm. they ramp it up even. So yeah. So yeah. I I mean, I I think I will like pe- everyone that I've met that knows me really well is like you would love season one and, mm-hmm. and I just haven't got around to watching it. Yeah. So I'll watch it and then it'll be fresh um, from my memory. Yeah. I don't know. You're you're probably not going to rewatch it, but I'll I'll watch it for the first time and I'll be that fresh memory and then yeah. uh, we'll launch into season two. So I don't know if we'll cover it on this podcast or not. I guess we'll talk about it when we get yeah. there. Um, there'll be a lot of other stuff to cover. I will still be in game changers. Game changers will be ending about around, around that time. Done. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think it's going to be, I mean, I don't really think, I mean, it's obviously set to a specific audience, yeah. so I don't think it's going to be like the top show on Disney Plus, but I, I still think that this season will be good. Yeah. But it's probably not up to par with Mandalorian or uh, Marvel stuff, but I mean, I feel like as a second tier, I mean, it's good enough. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be hard to uh, cover stuff this this whole year. Um, yeah, it's gonna be a, a big year for Disney Plus. If you hey, don't, if you don't that's mean. a good tie-in, <laughs> Phil. Because, um, like, I mean, I'm definitely gonna be watching The Bad Batch when it comes yep. out May fourth. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that same week as the first episode of Bad Batch, we're gonna get. Um, and it might be making of. I think it's probably making of Winter Soldier uh, by that week. But we'll get. Th- some Marvel content, even if it's just a making of, yeah. uh, and Bad Batch and uh, Game Changers, and then like High School Musical comes right on the heels of that. So yeah, there's there's just almost too much. We can't cover everything, but we'll try to cover the most popular stuff. Yeah, I think uh, Bad Batch will actually break a trend because you said it comes out on May fourth, which is not a Friday. Yeah, I think it's a Tuesday. Yeah. Um, it's it's a uh, you know why they why they chose yeah. the date? Uh, okay, I do. May the fourth. Yeah, May the fourth be with you. So, um, yeah, that will be interesting. That will be like literally the only thing to watch on that Tuesday, unless you're just watching something from the archives, but it's the only new thing that probably yeah. is dropping that week. So, uh, cool. All right. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm also excited, even though I have no reason to be, I just from everyone I've talked to that's seen season one, they love it. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about the new season coming out. 
So, uh, Beauty and the Beast will be interesting. I wonder how much of they show. How much of it they show? They can. It's Disney, so they can show all yeah. of it, really. Um, so and Little Mermaid. Yeah, I don't know what, how much we'll get, but it should be good. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, let's get into the first review of the week. Um, Mighty Ducks Game Changer Episode Three was titled Breakaway, which I think mm-hmm. is a great title for the yep. episode. Um, we'll start with you, Grant. What What are your kind of overall thoughts on on the episode? Um, it was a lot better than episode two. Agree. Um, I'm glad that we got more hockey action, and um, we continued to see surprise, surprise, Gordon going down that path of helping <laughs> behind the scenes. But um, I'm glad to see that happening. Um, one of the coolest things that I uh, thought or I saw in the episode was we never really got a school name for him, but they go to District 5 Public School, which that mm. pays homage to the original Mighty Ducks because their first team name was, wait for it, District 5. Oh, yeah. Yeah, interesting. So that was a cool Easter egg. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, uh, the hockey action was good. They're obviously still awful. And probably my favorite scene was basically them trying to woo Sophie into joining them. Yeah. Where where pretty much everybody just <laughs> puts on like a full court press on her. Yeah. I, I love that we're getting some school scenes. Yeah. Um, it reminds me of the, of the, or the original movies. Mm-hmm. Um, these kids all go to school together. And so they know each other pretty well or know of each other at, at the very least. And yeah, watching them just kind of one one at a time, trying to like <laughs> starting with Logan and then just going on and on. Yeah, the popular girl comes in. Yeah, like I I think Lauren at some point even yeah says Maya something. Lauren yeah, and then Coob is just like <laughs> he just stares at her, and then uh, uh, Sam like gets her like a free snack out of yeah. the vending machine, um, which he's evidently like crashed into at some point and yeah. like, gets free snacks, and then Evan gives her. <laughs> His scarf, which is actually his mom's scarf. Yeah. So that was probably the most humorous part. Uh, there'll be another scarf that we talk about later in this episode. Yep. Um, you know, fast forward another hour so to get to that. But um, yeah, that, w- that was really good. Um, they played the Mighty Ducks already, which is... Yep. Um, I, I mean, we knew that was coming from the last episode, obviously, mm-hmm. but that was something where... I, I don't think I would have wrote the show that way. Like, oh, let's yeah. have them play the Mighty Ducks in episode three out of 10, you know? Yeah. Um, they're obviously going to play the Mighty Ducks again. I'm assuming everyone assumes the championship. For the, for, yeah, the finale episode. But um, in fact, the the podcaster that Nick used to podcast with that's like covering the games <laughs> for Pee Wee Hockey, which is so funny. Um, she even says like, here's a, a matchup one of, you know, the Don't Bothers versus sort of like, Everyone everyone knows that they play more than once. Oh, so. yeah, for sure. Yeah. It wasn't going to be a shocker. <laughs> um, yeah, the show is predictable for sure. I mean, you, you talked about how, like, you know, everyone that's watching this show is like, okay, when is Gordon going to come in and coach the Don't Bothers or at least help? Um, you know, he's still not quite there yet, but he's he's definitely, yeah. I mean, we're an episode or two away from, from that absolutely happening. Um, I, I really liked the um, playbook. Uh, stuff yep. that they kind of played around with. She's got uh, a hockey book. You know, you know, it's a hockey book because it has sticks on the on the cover, and uh, it also has um, 
you know, her shopping list uh, yep. <laughs> on page 32. Um, but yeah, it is um, where she writes down all her play, quote unquote plays. I mean, mm-hmm. they're almost probably nonsense stuff. And um, I thought it was really neat because I, I was I was thinking like, how are they going to get, I mean, Corden's just not going to announce, hey, I'm joining the, the Don't Bother's. Like, yeah. like, how are they going to make him, show, show him not just interested, but also like helping, but without, you know, breaking his facade that he has to, you know, keep yeah. up. And so him like writing a play into her book without her knowing it and then her finding it during the game, I thought was perfect writing. Yeah. Like, it's really good. And then him coming on to, at the beginning, him coming on with the Zamboni, basically, <laughs> yeah. ending their practice. And... um. Another part that uh, kind of answered questions was, um, you know, why did Gordon stop loving hockey? Mm, and yeah. um, everybody assumed, I mean, he's kind of been given like the bad guy role at this point, um, kind of like at the beginning of the movies. And, but you actually find out that he was trying to help someone and so um yeah that was that the backstory gordon's backstory was something that we've been wanting yeah and then finally we got it in this towards the end of this episode yep so we'll just talk about that backstory um because alex asks him you know when did you leave the ducks and he says when they started caring about just winning mm. and so then he goes on and has his brief professional career and but then he becomes uh the head coach of one of the area colleges in St. Paul and she's like well your record was outstanding but then it sounds like you just quit mm-hmm. and why'd you do that and then he dives into the story of how um he had a player who didn't have enough money to buy tape for his stick. And so he gave him some money. And this is, I mean, spot on pretty much for how college athletics is now. Yeah. And then they nailed him for improper benefits. Yeah, they they basically saw it as like a recruitment foul, basically. Yeah. And so... Then, Which like, even he kind of admits, okay, yeah, that that was a dumb thing to do, but it seemed like a good idea at the time. Yeah. You know? And so, and then he talks about how they quietly had him step down. And so it kind of makes it uh, look like Gordon's not as bad as the show wanted to make him out to be. Yeah. I, I'm glad they made his backstory that and not like, um, you know, I just, I hate the sports or whatever. Yeah. Like the, he clearly loves, he's like, I don't hate hockey. I love hockey. Mm-hmm. I just, he hates all the politics. He hates all the, you know, the rules that are, you know, off the rink and stuff like that that he has to abide by. Yeah. And, and for him, it's like, it's just not worth it. Like I, he, he would love to just play or coach without any, you know, anyone looking over his shoulder, but that's like not possible. And yeah. so he's like giving up on it entirely because of that. Um, so, but like, that's what's so, you, that, that's what's so interesting about the don't bothers is like the, the name of their team literally is like, we don't bother with all of the, the quote unquote, like unspoken rules of, of, um, social politics and stuff like that. And you know, we, we only care about getting my kid into college and a professional career. Like we just want to play, like we just want to yeah. have fun. And he's like, yeah, that's what I've been all about too. And I haven't found anyone to agree with me. And so like, mm-hmm. he's really, you can see him already warming up to Alex. Like they're, they're 
they're very much kin in their thoughts. Yeah. So. So then, um, kind of another part of the recruitment of Sophie is hit her and Evan go on basically like a study date, but it's an actual date kind of, I guess in Evan's <laughs> mind, it's a date. And so then one of the ducks players, I don't even remember what his name is. It's Evan's mom's boss's kid. Oh yeah. And he shows up and he's a tall jerk. Yeah. Of course. And then, um, at the end of the date, Evan gives Sophie a jersey, and he says that he wants her to be the captain, and so she says that she's going to have to think about it, and then they were studying for a math test, and then she ends up getting a B on the math test, and... Which which, which for Caitlin Youngsma would be <laughs> crushing, right? Yep. So, <laughs> Caitlin and Sophie... this was extremely detrimental to her. So then she's just like, I'm not joining your dumb team. Um, I'll see you on the ice and we're just going to crush you. And it pretty much goes to form there. Yeah. And I mean, they show like her scoring like nine or 10 goals and she's just, yeah. Evan calls her that we need a sharpshooter like at the beginning of the, of the episode. And she is definitely that, like she is kind of their star player really. And so, He's, she's their banks. <laughs> yep. So they're just getting slaughtered. Um, it's 17 to nothing. And then there's only like 20 seconds left. So uh, Alex calls a timeout. And then she <laughs> looks in her notebook and finds this play. And she's like, I think this can work. And and I love that they surprise even the audience. Like we don't, we're not in on the play until it happens. Yeah. And so, basically, Logan, like, falls on top of the puck. <laughs> so, they're by their own goal. and Which the ref, like, continues play, which yeah. I don't know that they would do in Pee Wee, but yeah. it is full contact, so whatever. But. but then Coob somehow picks up the puck. <laughs> and then while all the ducks are trying to get the puck from Logan, who doesn't even have it, Coob <laughs> drops it off to Evan, and then Evan just starts taking off. A breakaway. Yep. And then he's got one person to beat. And who is that, Phil? Do <laughs> uh, you think it would be Sophie, maybe? <laughs> it is Sophie. <laughs> okay. All right. And, and he puts a great move on her, and then he ends up scoring the goal with no time remain. So they end up losing 17 to 1. But I mean, the, it's an abysmal loss, yep. for sure. But. but they are so excited. And it's pretty much the tip of the iceberg over why Sophie will quote unquote join the don't bothers because then two my ducks players come across and just hammer Evan into the boards. Yeah. That, like you said, end of, um, regulation game's over. It's over. Yeah. And so then the ref is like five minute penalty and Evan's just like, (laughs) well, the game's over. We'll try and remember it next time. (laughs) Okay. So it's just basically like a slap on the wrist. Basically what we've seen in the movies when somebody gets cheap shotted. Yeah. I mean, Sophie calls it exact, exactly that. And you can tell like, she's kind of done with the yep. ducks at, those, at that point. So then the don't bothers are celebrating and having a great time. And then you get coach T and he's just livid that they even let up a goal. And so 
in great Mighty Ducks fashion. They're going to have practice right after this game. <laughs> and then Sophie's just done. Yeah, I love watching Coach T like literally just yell at his his kids, like yep. saying, "How how dare you guys?" And they're like, "Dude, we we won by sixteen points. Like, what are you what yeah. are you all upset about?" And he's like, "He's like they shouldn't have scored any goals. Like, we gave them their first goal of the season. That should not have been possible." Yeah, so, like he's yeah he's pretty upset. So then, um, Sophie tells Evan that she's going to join him, and then they have this phone call. At, and Evan was like, and they have this uh, conversation, and Sophie's just like, I just need to tell my parents now. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's basically, there's like maybe one other scene after that, but she she basically, that's leading directly into episode four, is like how, how she can actually convince her mom. Because like we see her mom earlier in the episode, <clears throat> episode three, and she's like, Telling, trying to tell her, but like in code, like it's like a joke or whatever. She's like, "Oh, you know, can you believe it? Evan wants me to join the Don't Bothers, and and, and her mom just laughs because I'm going to be the star player, and more scouts will see me because yeah. I'll stand out so much." Yeah, which is something Nick came up with on his phone. Yeah, but yeah, uh, and she's like, "Isn't that funny?" And you know, kind of playing it off like a joke, and then sure enough, her mom thinks it's a joke. So yeah, going into episode four, I mean, she's obviously not going to be having it. <clears throat> but yeah. That's pretty much the gist of what we got. Yeah. So the the very very last scene at the end is uh, Gordon taking down the no hockey sign, um, which is obviously a big thing for him. Yep. So, and yeah. then, of course, the two big scenes where we got the background music were uh, Gordon taking down the sign. Yeah. And then Sophie Gaynor or talking to her mom about joining the Don't Bothers. Yeah. Yeah, I really thought the episode was going to end with her like putting on the jersey, like yeah. the, the the yellow jersey, and she uh, she's not there yet. So like it's going to take a couple of episodes for for that yeah. to play out. And did you watch the sneak peek? No, I did not. So I don't think. I mean, the conversation with her mom could happen, but the main thing about next week is. Apparently, in this hockey league, they always have a parents competition. Oh, great. And so, it's going to be Alex versus her boss. Oh, that'd be great. In the parents competition. That's really smart. Yeah. That, that'll be really good. So, we'll see how that goes. I mean, Alec, Alex obviously is a, a, a former figure skater, and yep. she knows how to handle herself on the ice, but um, like she's literally never held a hockey stick before. Yep. So, Which apparently this mom her boss has won in the past before. Okay. Yeah. It's, and she's the greatest sharpshooter. Yeah. There's going to be some, some analog there, I think. Oh yeah, for <laughs> sure. Um, well, you left me some juicy stuff to talk about in the episode. Uh, I really love the Nick and Chad, uh, Coco Chad stuff. Uh, it was so funny to me. I was rolling. Obviously Nick is always funny, but, um, I, even though it's side plot stuff, which I think is perfect for Nick. Like I, I don't think Nick is needs like the main plot yeah. stuff. He might get a, like a, his own episode in episode seven or something, mm-hmm. but like, I think he's kind of perfect as that side character that does some really stupid antics. So he, he, 
obviously has a crush on she's much older than him by the way like she the actress looks like she's maybe like 18 yeah um and he's obviously like you know 12 or whatever so they're like in middle school and <laughs> she's basically portrayed as either like a high schooler or like i mean a thinking, college student i mean yeah I'm like thinking, early college I'm, think, I'm thinking at least senior in high school yeah <laughs> yeah and so but yeah he has a crush on this older girl which you know a lot, a lot of boys go through that and um <laughs> how like so she breaks up Coco Winnie um, breaks up with her boyfriends early in the episode. I think it's like one of the first scenes in the episode. And then like, I love that scene where um, she's like distraught and she comes by the Coco booth and he's inside of it as the, as like the actual employee, yeah. even though he doesn't work there. And uh, he's like playing bartender. He's like, he's like, let me fix you a drink. Tell me about all your problems. And like <laughs> being that con- consolation for mm-hmm. her. And then um, there's the, the scene where Chad, goes to make up and brings flowers to the, to the ice palace to try to find Winnie. And it's like, Oh, Winnie's not here, you know? Um, but if you want me to, I can deliver the flowers. But before that, he, he goes, um, he goes, I'm sorry, do I know you to, to Nick? And it's like, um, he's like, uh, I know your product. <laughs> and then, uh, he takes the flowers and promptly put him, puts them in the, uh, dumpster. dumpster. And then I thought that was a really great heartwarming scene between Gordon and Nick. Like it's, it's funny because it's Nick, but, Gordon's actually like, he's, he's not a coach anymore, but he's still coaching him like yep. in his private life mm-hmm. and talking about like, Hey, I was young once and had a crush on my babysitter. And Nick's like, how did that work out? He's like, wait, we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> and then, um, you know, saying like, Hey, you know, you just need to be a friend to her. And like, yeah. you know, like, you know, he doesn't even mention age difference or anything. He's just like, Hey, just be there for her, you know? So um, he goes, give, give her the dumpster flowers and be done with it. <laughs> so, yeah, I liked I liked that stuff. So And then she gets mustard Tom. Mustard Tom at the end. Yep. You, you think, you know, Nick's got a, a, a glisten in his eye because eye she's like, oh, and I found somebody else that I like even more. And Nick's like, oh, yes, yeah, is my chance. And he's like, mustard Tom. <laughs> even better. Yeah. So... Yeah, I really like the Sophie stuff. Like, I she's a she's a cool character. Like, mm-hmm. she is obviously the Banks of this show, but um, she's going to be more, way more versatile than Banks ever was. Like, yeah. Banks was um a lot of talent, but not necessarily um a character that you really got to know very well in the movies. Mm-hmm. But Sophie is clearly going to be like a top three character. It's it's you kind of feel like at the end of the season we see a lot of Evan, Sophie, and Nick. Like, it's kind of that, that threesome. Yeah. So. And not just because of the romance stuff between Nick and Sophie. Like Sophie will be, I mean, she is their star player already, even though she hasn't hit the ice with them yet. So, yeah, um, yeah, um, yeah. That that scene, that uh, uh, special play at the end was so funny because it was like it was really the perfect thing because um, they're so bad that like everyone believes. Was it Sam? No, who who felt uh, Logan? Logan. Um, like everyone believes that Logan would just fall on on the hockey, mm-hmm. hockey puck. The um, the kid announcer on the side says, uh, uh, Lo- "Logan, the human tripod falls on the on the puck." Yeah. <laughs> and so, like, it's not even a question of oh, did the did the goalie grab it? It's like no, he's definitely on that puck. And so, that's and that's the brilliancy of of Gordon's coaching is that he can identify what the other team will believe. And ju- you know, juke left when they're thinking yep. juking right. So um, yeah, so it, it's that it's that trademark Gordon Bombay coaching. good old gimmick play. Yeah, which we see that 
all throughout the movies with you know flying V and yeah. all kinds of stuff. So knuckle puck, all that. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the scene between when Evan and Nick are trying to convince Sophie at school to join the team, and um, he's like, uh, "You'd be the best player on a lesser team. More goals. I like to call it money puck." <laughs> I'm like you're such a dork. <laughs> so, um. These these episodes are really short. I feel like we've covered most of it. Any other yeah. uh, things you wanted to chat about? Mm. No, I'd I'd say we probably have covered it all, at least the key points. But yeah, it's only like a twenty minute episode. So yeah, I, I c- you kind of get the impression all of them are going to be that yeah. length now, which is fine. Yeah, it's a half hour show without commercials. Yeah, is what it is. So, um, yeah. Uh, let's see, what was the only Oh, the only other thing I was going to say is <clears throat> um, there is, a, and I think this this messaging I think will continue into the next episode, at least the next, maybe the rest of the season. But um, Evan really, there's a lot of conversations between Evan and Sophie about how they are the good guys. Like mm-hmm. he, he sees the Don't Bothers as not just a team of, you know, they're bad news bears in the sense that none, none of them are really good players, but it's more than that to him. It's like, it, we're the good guys. Like yeah. we, the good guys always win in the end. We have to win. Like he sees it as a good versus evil battle. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, I don't know that a lot of the other players or characters even think that they're just trying to yeah. have fun. And so, um, I wonder where that will go. Like I, it's, uh, he's got a little bit of ducks mentality in him still, even yeah. though he's no longer a player of the ducks, the ducks only want to win, which is what Gordon said. He left hockey for, um, and he used to be a duck and I think he still has a little bit of that. And we saw it a little bit in episode yeah. two, two where he's like, I just love hockey. Why are we talking about our feelings? Let's get on the ice and play. I want to win. Mm-hmm. And we see that here too, where he's like, don't you want to join the good, the good guys, the good team? You know, the, the ducks are the bad guys. You don't want to play for the bad guys. Do you? And she like, she doesn't see it. She doesn't see until it that way. The end of the game. Yeah. And then, and she's, it's, there's two scenes. It's the, the date scene where, you know, the, um, the duck, the duck player is being really rude. And then Evan says, um, he's a duck. Of course he's going to be rude. Um, and then the very end when he obviously gets, you know, laid out on the, on the ice, um, it takes both of those scenes for her to finally realize, Hey, maybe I am playing for the bad guys. Mm -hmm. Um, and she, it's, it's, even though every like all seven players or whatever however many tried to convince Sophie, it's really only Evan that gives her the the impetus to actually come over and yeah. switch over. It's, it's the good guys, bad guys argument. So, yeah, um, I do like that this series feels more like a season of hockey to me. Like I don't know if you got get, getting that sense as well. Yeah. But, like the movies go by so fast; they start and end in ninety minutes. That. It, you're not getting the sense of like, okay, that we're going from week to week with this team, but this actually feels like we're watching not documentary. Cause it, obviously it feels it's funnier and more dr- dramatic than a yeah, documentary, but it's, sure. it's almost like you're following this team through their season. They're like their spring, you know, March, April, May season. Um, so that I like that part of it. It, yeah. it stretching it out makes it feel more real. So Yeah. Yeah, uh, I'm enjoying where the show's going. It was much better than episode two. I feel like we're getting more to the excitement of episode one and the um, Hockey Moms episode next week should be entertaining. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. Cool. Well, let's uh, jump into the Falcon and Winter Soldier episode four. Uh, This episode is called The Whole World is Watching. Uh, Another great title. Um, Oh, yeah. Very much um, talking about... End of the episode, for sure. (laughs) Last scene, yeah. Kind of like the end of the episode for Mighty Ducks as well with the breakaway. Yeah. 
dude, this this episode starts in freaking Wakanda. Yeah. And I, I was like, oh my gosh. Like, so I um I think we pronounced her name. I pronounced her name wrong last week. I ca- I was calling her Ao. I, I think it's Io. So okay. like, <laughs> so we'll have to correct that. But like, um, the the Winter Soldier Bucky calls her Io. Um, as they when they meet in that big fight scene. In Marvel, the, we're sorry. Yeah, sorry about that. Okay, so Io, we saw Io at the end of episode three, and um, going into episode four, I was like, we probably won't see Io again. Um, not for a while. Like she'll she'll come back in episode five or something like that. I'm like, oh no, we're going six years ago. Wakanda, Bucky getting like you know stripped of his coat, his winter me- soldier, coat. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and we're we're getting some backstory on Io and the uh, Dora Milaje, like mm-hmm. her like team of of I think they're all women, right? Yep, women fighters and stuff women like that. Soldiers, they're kind of like Amazons, kind of yep. from the Wonder Woman thing. Um, but yeah, um, and and him going through like you know longing, rested seventeen, and then and then like and then it not taking and like she's like you are free, and yep. so like we actually we we knew that that happened in Wakanda, but we, to actually see it mm-hmm. in in uh on screen was really cool so um but yeah what what um so that was a surprise i think beginning for the episode yeah then from the the rest of the episode it kind of went more kind of what we were expecting yeah um for sure what were some of the twists and turns some of the things that were interesting to to note or things you didn't see coming or um well if you read in the description you kind of get that you're going to kind of get a backstory on carly and Mm. so I kind of thought that we were going to get more like kind of like WandaVision where we got the backstory of Agatha, but then I was pleasantly surprised when we got like new content as well. Yeah. Like present day content. Um, and I mean the action and cause I mean for the first half there wasn't much action Right. But then the second half just brought it. It's almost constant. Like yeah. there's a few um, uh, breaks in the action, but I mean, for the most part, for like 15 straight minutes, it's yeah. just a lot of fighting. And then surprise, surprise, John Walker kind of shows his true colors. Yeah. Which we kind of knew we were going to get that eventually. Yeah, he starts early on in the episode, even before the fighting starts. Like he's he like finds them in the middle of the street as they're walking down, trying to find this um, uh, Donya um, yeah. funeral thing, and like he encounters them, and he's already like really angry, and like he's like, "Where where are you guys going?" And like you know, hey, you know, by the way, you broke Zemo out of jail. I'm gonna have to arrest him right now. They're like, "You're not gonna do that." Yeah, and they don't come to blows, but like he's definitely like ferocious and very angry with yeah. them. Um, and then it just gets worse from there. But And I mean, I thought we had a lot of sides in WandaVision. There are so many different sides Dude, in, I, in this show. I wrote the same thing down. I, I was going to save it to the end, but uh, since you brought it up, like, I mean, there what there was like three or four factions maybe in WandaVision, yeah. um, depending on who you count as a faction. But um, this is what I wrote down. And maybe there's a seventh one, but uh, I wrote down, so, so Sam and Bucky, obviously, Zemo. Zemo is his own faction. Like, yeah, he's, he's for his sure. own guy. Yep. <laughs> he has his own game plan. Uh, Captain Battlestar, which, you know, I, spoilers, I guess. You've, yeah, hopefully you've seen the episode, but, you know, it's really just Cap now. Um, Carly and the Flag Smashers. Sharon Carter, I think, is her own thing. Yeah. Like, she's doing her own deal. And then we haven't even seen the Power Broker, but the Power Broker is yet another person. Yeah. Um, you might have said, like, a seventh one would be, like, uh, Nagel, but he's dead by now. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of different yeah. agendas going on. Yeah. I, 
I kind of, I mean, I understand that Sharon is Carter. Is it too much? I don't know. I don't think it is. Yeah. Because honestly, the more and more we see Sharon Carter, I don't think it's out of the stretch of the imagination to think that she's the power broker. One and the same, yeah. Because when she's on the phone with Sam, there's a lot of like sketchy stuff going on in the background, like behind her. And it definitely looks like she has quite a few like workers for her. And I don't know if it's just the streets of, uh, what's the town called again? Man. Madripoor. Madripoor. Yeah. I don't know if, but it sure looks like she's running like an operation when we see her. Yeah. She's definitely underground in some way. We talked yeah. about it a little bit last week, but I still don't know if it's illegal activity or not. Yeah. It, it, it looks like it could be. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't think it's out of the stretch of the imagination that somebody that we've already been introduced to is the power broker. Yeah. Um, and uh, people are screaming at their phones right now. Um, I, the seventh one uh, in the faction list is obviously the Dora Milaje. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you, you've got at least seven groups. They're all kind mm-hmm. of vying for power. Um, although the Dora, um, Io and her friends are really after just one thing and that's Zemo. Like, yeah, they, I don't think they really care about the serum or yeah. anything else. Um, but everybody else does. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, a. Uh, it's almost become um, uh, like this. The serum is like the the MacGuffin that like everyone is trying to get it all at the same time. Which yeah. I mean, by the end of the episode, I, I think it's pretty smart to keep things, keep us guessing, and to keep the action, the plot action moving. Mm-hmm. Um, by like, I mean, they just straight up destroy all the serum, and there's like one left, and then obviously Cap takes it at the end. So there yeah. is no serum left, um, and that was something I wasn't sure that we would see this early on in the season, although we're, I mean, two thirds of the way through, but like mm-hmm. four episodes in the serum's already gone. So, um, pretty much all that's left is the people that have the serum in their bodies, yep. which is, I think like five flag smashers left. Cause one of them died last in episode three. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then obviously cap is, is the new number six, but, um, he's obviously against the flag smashers, but still has to be taken down at some point you have to assume. So, yeah. um, yeah, I, at the beginning of the episode, um, Io basically says, you got eight hours. Um, and she calls him White Wolf. And she's like, you know, um, you know, we're coming for him. We're coming for Zemo. You, we're giving you a little bit of leeway here, but then we're just going to take Zemo and kill him, um, put him behind bars. It's not really clear, but... Um, Bring him back to Wakanda and yeah. just whatever. Yeah, torture him. <laughs> Who knows? But they they definitely don't want nice things for Zemo, and they're coming for him in in eight hours. Which we see that eight hours transpired during the episode, which uh, was good that we didn't have to wait too long to see that happen out or uh, pan out. But um, I, I like how they showed the Do- Donya Madani's funeral and and like the way that they find the funeral. I think was really interesting. Like mm-hmm. Zemo is still proving to be helpful. Yeah. Even though he's obviously has his own motivation for doing oh, yeah. all this, but for sure. And he, he clearly wants to destroy the serum and, and does, but he like, he is, he sees it's funny. Cause like cat, um, sorry, Sam and Bucky see Zemo as a means to an end, but Zemo also sees them as a means to an end. So like yeah. who's using whom is kind of the big thing with, with their relationship. So it's really cool to watch that. But yeah, Zemo, it's not, 
Sam and Bucky, they try to find the location of this funeral, but they fail. Ultimately, Zemo is the only one. He gets these Turkish delights and like, you know, cons these poor little kids into telling him where the funeral is. And so, yes, without, I mean, you can make, say what you want or think what you want, but essentially without Zemo's help, they might not have ever found that thing. Yeah, for sure. So at least he's being good in that, in that respect. And then, um, they obviously get to the funeral and um, they also meet up with uh, J- Cap, and yeah, I've been calling him Cap because, like, even though that's not, it seems yeah. so like offensive to call him that. But yeah, so <laughs> then Sam is just like, "Well, I feel like we're a lot more alike than we think," and they—that's kind of like one of the ongoing like background stories that they feel like that they are a lot more like the flag smashers than they realize. Yeah. And so, um, John Walker gives them 10 minutes to talk to Carly and then he's coming in. Yeah. And so it really looks like Sam is getting to her with this whole conversation. I I, I totally believed it. Whether or not she actually would have ever come around. Um, there's, there are several looks in her face that she delivers to him where I was like, dude, she's coming around. Like she might actually drop this whole thing. Yeah. And it's kind of like, I like to think of it as the infinity war scene where they're that close to getting the gauntlet. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's perfect. And then in comes, well, in infinity war, it was Quill. He comes in (laughs) and everything goes to shambles. Yeah. And in this Walker comes in and everything is just awful now. Yeah, because he he literally represents everything that she hates. Like yeah. she he is the physical representation of the GRC and everything that she's fighting against. Yep. And so then Carly feels like she's been double crossed, which I mean, in a roundabout way, I guess she kind of was double crossed because she didn't know that they were waiting outside. Yeah, but I, I feel, mean, I felt so bad for Sam because it's not really Sam's fault. Sam talked about how, like, when he was in the military, he would do this, like, yeah. he would do like counseling for like PTSD soldiers and stuff like that. And so that's essentially what he's trying to do. He's using his expertise to kind of get in her brain, mm-hmm. and he almost, like you said, he almost has her. And then she sees it as good cop, bad cop, and that's not what he was trying to do at all. Yeah. And I, I just, I, I, my heart broke for Sam because he was trying so hard. Yeah. And so then there's this whole chase scene. And then, surprise, surprise, Zemo is nowhere to be found. <laughs> and he's... Surprise, hun- surprise, don't leave Zemo uh, handcuffed to a piece of machinery with his other arm free. <laughs> and he is in full pursuit of Carly. And he shoots her a couple times. Yeah, that was cool. And he gets the... Oh, I guess we didn't talk about that. They found Serum. I guess we skipped over that part. Yeah, the, it's like in a grave. Or was it, no, yeah, it was a graveyard. Grave. Yeah, it was like yeah, like under this brick or whatever. But yeah, so she's got them all. Yep. And so Zemo's tracked her down, and she she just starts stumbling, and the serum goes everywhere. Yeah. And so then one of the other flag smashers shows up because it almost looked like it might be the end of Carly, and yeah. Zemo might kill her right there because. Earlier in the episode, Zemo's like, the only way this ends is if Carly's dead. Mm. And it sure looked like, but then one of the Flag Smashers shows up and they get away. 
and but they don't have the serum anymore. And so then Zemo crushes, we think, all of them. <laughs> but then uh, Walker shows up, knocks him out, and nobody else is there. And what do we see in the corner? One serum left. I was watching this episode with some coworkers uh, at work after after lunch, and um, and like that we see Cap's eye go to that that serum, and they, the camera zooms in on it, and we all just started laughing. We're like, "You had to know this was coming!" Like, yeah, it's that that was the, for me the most predictable. Because I mean, throughout the show, they've talked about so much how Walker is just a regular human being. Yeah. He doesn't have anything special in his body. And then we finally get to that point where, because, I mean, at this point, well, before becoming Captain America, he is like an American hero. Mm. He's he's everything that like people in our military these days want to accomplish. He has three medals of honor. Yeah. And he is kind of, he is a patriot for sure. Yeah. And so you kind of knew that at some point his true morals would be tested. Yeah. Yeah. And he, he actually like, I thought he might just like, I mean, he didn't have a way to do it, but like sticking his arm like right that second, but he actually holds on to it for a while. And like, you can see he's, <sighs> he's definitely considering whether or not, I think he's conflicted. Yeah. I, I really do believe that. I, you know, it's hard to paint him as anything other than a bad guy, but like, I do think he actually is se- like seriously considering not taking it. Yeah. Uh, but then he has that scene with Battlestar where they're, they're talking you, over coffee or whatever. Yeah. You kind of get the feeling that, cause you think, well, are they going to split the serum yeah. between the two of them? And, or is Battlestar going to get it? Yeah. And so there, there's that question. It's uttered twice actually during the episode. I forget who the other conversation is, but, um, Oh, I think the it's other one was with Bucky Sam and, and Bucky. Yeah. But the, the question is, um, if you had the opportunity to take super soldier serum, would you take it? And, um, and they both answer it in different ways, but like the, it's actually John to Battlestar, John to what's his name? I forget. Hoskins. Yeah. I, I can't think of his Lamar. first name. Yeah. So John is talking to Lamar and, and it's actually John that poses the question to Lamar mm-hmm. and you can tell he's posing it because he wants to know, you know, without telling him that he has serum that like, let's just say hypothetically I had serum. Would you, you know, would you take it? And he's like, no, no, I, I definitely wouldn't. Um, uh, no, he says yes. Lamar says yes. Yeah, he says Sam yes. says no. That's right. Yeah, Lamar says uh, yes. Like, you know, because he, he's talking about like Afghanistan and like all the stuff that we did over there, the horrible stuff, whatever. Think about how many lives we could have saved if we had serum in our bodies. Like, yeah. like he sees it as a good thing. Um, and then, of course, the, the conversation between Bucky and Sam goes a different way. And then Sam thinks that the serum truly changes the person. Yeah. And that's where I was going next. You, you actually hit it. Um, like they have a, a brief conversation with Zemo and it's not, it's not on, that on the news, but Zemo actually says like, it takes whatever, I mean, Lamar kind of says this too, but like it takes whatever you're normally propen- your normal propensity is to do. And it just amplifies it. Yeah. And, um, and they're like, they kind of fight with Zemo about that little, a little bit. And they're like, well, no think about, you know, Steve Rogers, like, because Zemo sees the serum as being like something that's going to be bad for you. Like mm-hmm. it's going to turn you into a, a monster. And they're like, well, Steve Rogers case in point. And he's like, yeah, but there's only been one Steve Rogers. Yeah. Like he, he really sees most people are not going to be as good and as whole wholesome as yeah. Steve. Cause so. I mean, Steve was wholesome to begin with. Yeah. 
yeah, and, and anyone can be turned around to do, to, to be at not, maybe not the cause, but involved in what happened to Sokovia. Like they yeah. completely destroyed that country mm-hmm. inadvertently, but I mean, he was at the center of it. Yeah. So, so then, um, you definitely, um, Carly, after this incident, she says that there's pretty much only one end and that's to kill Captain America. Yeah. And so then we get uh, Sam's sister again. Which I, she keeps coming back. I mean, I, I, I definitely didn't call this. I, I thought that we'd never see her ever again. Uh, but she keeps playing a role. Um, here's, We've here's, gotten her three out of the four. Yeah. So. Here's what I really like about this. And I didn't catch it. Uh, it was happening in the middle of the episode, but I didn't catch it till the end. But um, Sam identifies with Carly. Oh, yeah. For sure. She, he definitely does. Like, he, he doesn't... And that's why he keeps apologizing for her. Like we saw that even in episode three, but like it's because he, he doesn't see her. She doesn't like her methods, mm-hmm. but he does identify with her cause. Yes. And he, and he, he's thinking about his sister. I think for the most part, when he's thinking about that, he's like, Hey, look, you know, things were a little bit easier during the five year blip, you know, like it, th- no, nobody wanted it to stay that way. You know, I guess they did the flag smashers did, oh, yeah. but most people didn't want it to stay that way, but let's be honest. Like it really was a lot easier for people because everyone came together during that time. Mm-hmm. And then when everyone came back, then that's when we all separated again. And it's not been as, as good like government wise and stuff not like that. One people, one world. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, does Sam want to like kill innocent people? Of course not. But does he want to see like nations come together and like people like, you know, work together and, and be friendly and helpful to each other again. Absolutely. And mm-hmm. so he just thinks that she's going about it the wrong way, but he ultimately wants what she wants. And so I really like that. Like it's um, Bucky and Sam are not in agreement over that. Like Bucky just wants her to go away. Yeah. Um, but Sam's like, I don't know. Like I think she is her heart's in the right place. She's just not doing the right thing about it. So yeah, there's, there's a lot in the episode about supremacy. Like, like um, everyone's calling each other a supremacist, right? Uh, and it kind of mirrors what's going on in our, our real world too. But like, um, like um, I, I never really thought of Carly as a supremacist, but Zemo like directly calls her one. He, yeah. She's like, she's a, she's a supremacist. And like, the more I thought about it, I'm like, yeah, she kind of is. Yeah. I mean, like she, she's definitely wants like a supremacist says like this group of people over here is not as important as my group of people. Yeah, Cause obviously she would, um, why else would she be using the serum? She's trying to build an army. Yeah. And she, she bombed that building. Like, yeah. she, like that's, that's what a supremacist does is to say these people, people's lives aren't important. Mm-hmm. Uh, not as important as these people's lives and choosing being the one who chooses who lives and who dies is really at the heart of supremacy. Yep. Um, and, um, she, Carly, and just in the same way that Zemo says that about Carly, Carly says that about the GRC and she's not wrong either. Like yep. they, we see that scene, um, with that, that guy, that teacher, he's like teaching a kid and then he grabs a couple kids and then he like, you know, goes off. Like, I think it's with Bucky, right? Yep. Um, no, Sam, Sam. Okay. And, um, they have that brief exchange where he's like, he's like the GRC said they were going to come in and help us. That was six months ago and nothing's been done since then. So we're on our own. Like we're fighting for our own selves at this point. And so like, even though the GRC, you could say the GRC is not doing that on purpose, but they are in effect choosing who lives and who dies, who has uh, plenty and who, and who has want. Um, so, yeah, it's, I mean, I would say it's very, um, the lines are very blurred 
between good versus evil. Yes. In this show. Um, I feel like WandaVision, like there was some conflict about who is good and who is evil, but I feel like it's even more blurred in this show. Yeah, you're absolutely right. About what the good side is and what the bad side is. I mean, obviously, Zemo, he's not a good guy. And for the most part, I would say Carly and the Flag Smashers aren't. Well, after blowing up the building, they're definitely bad guys as well. Yeah. But then you don't really you don't really think that Captain America, which we haven't got to that part yet. After that, you don't really is he really a good guy? And I mean, Sam and Bucky are. I'd say Sam might be the most wholesome character in this show. I agree. I I think Sam is is the most honest thinker. And I feel like Bucky wants to get there. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Bucky will follow Sam into um you know the 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 most best for everybody solution, but Sam is going to come up with it. Yeah, for sure. Um yeah, Sam is is really kind of the hero of this story. I um with every episode I'm liking Bucky more and more, but he is truly lost. Like I I really think he's struggling his way through this situation. Um he doesn't really know which is the right way up, and how could he after like all the nightmares he just woke up from? Like I I don't really blame him for anything that he's any of the soul searching that he's doing, but he is definitely not in control of his thoughts yeah. in the same way that Sam is. Um, just because of Sam's had a, a better uh, luck in life uh, than he has, but um, yeah, I, I love um, I love the whole like if you had the chance to take the serum, would, would you do it? And you know, the, everyone has a different answer to that question, um, and it's it's really interesting to, to watch everything play out. the 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 gray lines of everything has has me thinking. This may not be the case, but it seems to me like it could be the exact same writers as Civil War two or Civil War movie. This show, as we've said it before, this is essentially Civil War two. Yeah, it's a direct follow up. The lines in Civil War were also pretty blurred. I mean, even between heroes, you had, you know, were you Team Tony or were you Team Cap? And there were people on both sides. Like they would go see the movie and be like, "Oh, I'm Team Tony," and then and then the person sitting right next to them would say, "Oh, that's funny, I'm Team Cap." And like they did an excellent job of making you feel for both sides. And I, I wasn't necessarily expecting that. I, didn't, I wasn't expecting to be uh, as drawn as much as I am to Carly and the Flag Smashers yeah. as I am right now. I still think they're wrong. I still think they need to be taken down. But I kind of see where they're coming from now. Yeah. Um, so they're doing a great job of explaining all that. Yeah, I would say on our nice chart right here, Phil. <laughs> our good versus evil chart. Yeah. We have Sam and Bucky up here. Uh-huh. Then um, we have, I guess, maybe Carly and the Flag Smashers in number two. I would certainly put them higher than Cap and, and then Battlestar. We, and then we have Cap and Battlestar. <laughs> and then we have Zemo. Yeah. So this nice chart we have <laughs> to the right of me, Phil. <laughs> it's beautiful. And. It's all it, color coded. It could change. Come next week. <laughs> yeah, I know. It totally could. Um, can we just talk about Zemo for a second? Yeah. I love that guy. I love him. Like, I know he's bad. I know he's a jerk. I know he's out for, only for number one. But, dude, that guy is so compelling. I, I just, they have done so such a good job with his character throughout this series. I liked him in Civil War, but holy crap, he is awesome in this show. Um, I love how like that big fight scene and that fight scene was awesome by the way, in the hotel yeah. penthouse or whatever they had the, the spears are going everywhere or whatever. And he just like, 
like slips out the back, <laughs> and, like, yeah. goes, goes into the bathroom, finds a manhole, drops kind, down. Kind of like the <laughs> little rat that he is. He's a total slime ball. Yeah. He, I mean, that is, that is for sure true. But I kind of like that about him. Like, yeah. I don't know. He's really interesting of a character. I think he's, uh, Loki, Loki's a, a very, Loki's a rat. Yeah. Too. He, I mean, he's a total rat. And he's also very slimy in the way he backstabs. But like, they're very, those two of those characters are very similar to me, but they're also two of my favorite characters that yeah. are, there are villain characters in the, the MCU. So I'm really, really enjoying watching Zemo. Like, just give me more and more Zemo um, throughout the rest of the series. Yeah. So then. I guess the last thing we need to talk about is just the final scene. Brutal. Yeah. So basically leading up to it, Carly calls Sam's sister and you basically get the assumption that the flag smashers are watching Sam's sister. Yeah. Because they know exactly where she is and they know that she has two boys. And so she basically says that she wants a meeting with Sam alone Mm -hmm. but um bucky because um earlier in the episode uh walker was talking about how bucky and sam are partners and bucky's like no we're not and but then sam tells him about the meeting and bucky's like i'm gonna go with you oh yeah and so they go to the meeting and carly's already a little bit mad that they well, there was the behind-the-scenes plot that her, Carly's plan is just to get everybody away from each other, and then they're going to take out Captain America. Yeah, yeah. It's divide and conquer. Yep. And so she's already a little flustered that he brought Bucky, but I don't think she's overly surprised. I mean, are the bad guys ever really surprised when the cops are, like, <laughs> waiting outside for them? Yeah. I don't think so. <laughs> Unless, I mean, that's the total go-to of the movies. By the way, I'll let you continue here in a second, but Sharon Carter's only role in this entire episode, which kind of shocked me is, is basically to play that eye in the sky. Like she, yep. she's like alerting them when John Walker's in the area. And that's pretty much her only role in the whole episode. But Which that's another reason why it would not be out of the ordinary yeah. that she's the power broker. Yeah. No, you're, you're not wrong. And so then she alerts Sam that Walker's coming in and then probably one of the best fight scenes in the whole show so far happens. Yeah. And it's full on flag smashers versus Bucky and Sam. Well, at first Bucky and Sam aren't involved and like they're just watching the melee happen. No, yeah. I'm sorry. That's, that's the hotel scene. Yeah. That's sorry. the hotel. Scene. I, I, I did like how they were like, should we get involved? Like, should we jump in there and fight? And he's like, I don't know. I'm kind of just enjoying watching this. Yeah. And so, <laughs> It's like full on. Yeah, like every, every, everyone's involved. every character is getting a flag smasher. Yeah, and it was just epic. Yeah, it was it was as good as like any. I mean, maybe not any, but like most Avengers movie scenes, yeah. where like you just see you know Cap and Hulk and and Black Widow and Tony like all like going every direction, yeah. fighting somebody, you know, um, or end of Endgame, whatever. Obviously, there's a lot more characters there, but yeah, it was it was very good choreography. Yeah, so. And then, I mean, it ends up with the whole scene where they're all, because they talked about earlier how this place is just like a maze, but then they all end up in that same area. And it's just brutal. And 
everything that's going on. And then you finally get to the point where it looks like the flag smashers are going to take Captain America out. And then out of nowhere, Battlestar comes in and he definitely takes the bullet. Yeah. Yeah, and they drag him away, don't they? Um, Well, they kidnap him. Yeah. But then he steps in front of, it looks like the flag smashers are going to end Captain America and he steps in and that's the end of Battlestar. Yeah. Yeah, he's dead. Yep. And John is not happy. Yeah. And then he kind of, does his little homage to Captain America by breaking through the window (laughs) and he finds a flag smasher and smashes him. Oh yeah. He smashes him good. Um, by the way, him using the shields like just over and over into the, into that guy's body or whatever is exactly the way that cap takes down Tony at the end of civil war. Yeah. Um, now cap, on uh, kneeling over somebody and hitting him with a shield, he's hitting it into Tony's metal. Yeah, what is um, what's uh, that thing? The the thing that is hard that keeps him alive. Oh, no, I can't. I know what you're talking about. I can't <laughs> think of the term for it. Anyway, he he smashes his shield into that, which yeah. obviously he's using all of his super soldier power, and it's strong. And he's going through that. But he that has metal. armor, so yeah. But he's and, not killing him. Yeah, and then this guy. So I think that you watch those two scenes like side by side and mm-hmm. I, I bet it looks exactly the same. They're doing the exact same motion with the shield and just pulverizing it into somebody's chest. But this is just a dude. Like I know it's a super, super serum, you know, dude. But I mean, you see the bottom of that shield at the end and it is dripping in blood. And I was just like, oh my gosh, that is like brutal. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. It's one of the bloodiest things I've seen in, mm-hmm. a, in anything Marvel. Like we've, yeah. we've seen characters get blood on them, but mm-hmm. Dude, like that that she was like literally drip, dripping in blood. It was like really yeah. gra- really graphic. It was crazy. And then that's where we get the title. Yeah. The, uh, yeah, the whole world is watching cuz everyone's got their phones out. Um we needed that scene. Like it was going to come at some point. Um I'm glad it came here cuz now we have two two episodes to deal mm-hmm. with it. But I mean, we needed something that was like, okay, that's going over the edge. Like you've now you've gone too far. Yes. And we definitely he is over the edge at this point and he is on the opposite side of Sam and Bucky. Like Sam and Bucky are not going to work with him anymore for sure. So, I mean, they kind of weren't in this episode either, but they were like, see, they kind of, again, kind of like Zemo seeing each other as means to an end. But now it's like, it's completely over now that he's like in public view, destroyed somebody's life. Yeah. So, yeah. So it definitely sets up, What's to come now? So I I texted you on Mon uh no was it Wednesday? It was the, a couple the day after we recorded the so last so Wednesday yep yeah and I said I said uh, Grant I th- I have a working theory we'll see if it works out on Friday but I feel like Io could be the power broker and I really like I kind of thought that seems kind of likely like I could see her as being this Zemo level mastermind that would basically be at the heart of moving the chess pieces around so that they could draw Zemo out of prison. Cause she wasn't going to break him out of prison just to kill him. And then yeah. the whole thing be framed on her. She was willing to let other people get, break him out of prison to get him out, out into the open so that she could have her way with him. And I really thought that that was going to pan out. And then um, it, it becomes evident in the first 10 minutes of this episode. Like she is not involved like with any kind of power broker stuff. Like yeah. it's clearly somebody else. So um, so yeah, that, there goes that theory, but 
I thought it had something going <laughs> there yeah. for a little bit. <laughs> so it, it shows, just shows you how the, how good they are at like keeping you guessing and mm-hmm. you for know. sure. So we have two episodes left now. Yeah, it's gonna be. I'm all, I'm totally hooked. Like that first episode, it was it wasn't unlike the first couple episodes of WandaVision where we're just kind of like, where is this going? And then, but as the as the show has been going on, I'm like totally hooked. Like I cannot wait to watch the next episode. So, yep. As we're recording six more days, yep. we're going to keep waiting. Well, uh, hope, hopefully you'll keep watching the, sh- the episodes with us and um, stay tuned for our podcast uh, thoughts and reviews. Um, if you have any reviews uh, on the show, uh, you can do that. Send us an email at disneyplusreviews at hotmail.com uh, for either of the shows for Mighty Ducks or, or Falcon and Winter Soldier. We'd love to hear what you are thinking about the episodes. Uh, we're not done yet. Uh, this is going to be a long episode. Probably we'll have some longer episodes uh, for a while uh, going forward because we want to talk about other things as well. So uh, this week, uh, the movie we're talking about is The Big Year. Yep. Uh, came out in t- 2011, but just came to Disney Plus a couple weeks ago. And um, when we were covering like what's new on Disney Plus, I saw this movie and I was like, I have no idea what this movie is, but there's like a huge cast in it. And um, Grant said, oh, I've seen that movie. It's been 10 years, but I, yep. I did see it when it came out. And uh, I said, what's it about? We started talking about it. And I was like, I'd kind of like to see that. I, I like mm-hmm. these guys. So um, before we get into the kind of the nitty gritty of the movie itself, I want to read you guys this cast. So I knew Steve Martin, Jack Black, and Owen Wilson were in this movie. Here are some other people I did not know were in the movie. Uh, Rashida Jones. Uh, a lot of people know her from just tons of stuff. She's a, she's a great comedian, great actress. Jim freaking Parsons is yep. in this movie. Uh, I, Ichabod Crane. Ichabod Crane. Um, uh, he obviously from Big Bang Theory fame, but has been in a lot of movies as yep. well. Uh, Rosamund Pike. Holy cow. I didn't even know she was in this movie. Um, she's been great in Bond and other stuff. Um, uh, Anthony Anderson is someone, you, you may not know the name, but you, like if you see his face. Um, you, you've seen him in something. Yeah, you've seen him in, in Blackish or Bernie Mac or something like that. But yeah, he's been in a ton of stuff. Uh, Tim Blake Nelson, he's such a small character in this, but um, obviously a lot of people know him from Oh Brother, We're Out Thou. Like, um, he's in this movie. Joel McHale from yep. Community is in this. Um, and it goes on and on and on. John Cleese is never seen, but he's the narrator of the, of the story. So anytime there's narration happening, it's John Cleese from uh, Monty Python stuff and everything. Kevin Polak, like, it just goes on and on and on. Al Roker's in, in it for a little bit. Um, I was like, holy crap. Like, with every five minutes that was going on, I was like, how many big actors are going to throw into this thing? Yeah. Um, so I don't know what they're... Let's see, let's see if I can find the budget. Their budget was only $41 million. That's crazy. I mean, I, I guess if you think about it, Big Bang hadn't really... I mean, it had taken off, but I mean, not... They, they, were not in their, they had done four seasons yeah. of the show by then. So, I mean, I guess Jim Parsons was a big get for them. But like, I don't know. Well, you, you, okay. So at, at the time, I mean, Jack Black was, I feel like School of Rock was around this time. Yeah. I, Jack Black was getting pretty big. Owen Wilson, I think, was probably already big. Steve Martin is a, about as big as it could get in 2011. Like he's yeah. a seasoned actor. So I'm sure they're not working for cheap. Um, so you got to think a lot of the money went to those three. Well, and they shot like, they shot in Vancouver. They shot in Alaska. Like those are not cheap places to film. Yeah. So I'm amazed that they could even do this on a $41 million budget. Um, it was abysmal at the, at the box <laughs> office. The box office was less than $8 million. Like they lost their money on this movie big time. Even if you count in like 
DVD sales, Blu-ray sales, which I'm, I'm sure have not been very big um, for this. They, the, the studio that made this absolutely lost money. I, I don't think there's any other way to, to, to look at it. So um, not a, not a big hit, but um, huge cast. So it's a little surprising that yeah. it, it wasn't as big of a hit as it was, but um, how much of the movie did you remember? Or what were you kind of surprised by watching uh, it the second time? I mean, this was the third time I've watched it and the plot for sure. I remembered that a um, couple scenes here and there didn't quite remember, but like the Descri- main gist of the movie describe the main gist. Cause I, I don't know that. I mean, if I didn't even know what a big year was until yeah. a couple weeks ago. So for those of you that aren't bird watchers out there, which <laughs> shame on you, a big year basically is the amount of species of birds that you see in a year. And so it's kind of one of these things that you want to keep quiet because you don't want your competition to know that you're doing a big year. And that's part of the movie where they're not telling each other that they're doing a big year, but they all are. <laughs> and um, this but, goes back to like the 19th century. Like yep. People have been like cataloging and competing with, with each other for many, many years. Yeah. So, Basically, we have the three guys. Owen Wilson is a character named Kenny, and he's pretty much the head bird. He's the one that everybody wants to be like. Yeah, he, he's gotten his face on the cover of like Birding Magazine or whatever. Yeah. Which, are you a member of that magazine, Phil? I mean, who isn't? I, yeah. Everyone I know loves Birding Magazine. And then you have Stuart, played by Steve Martin, and he's the CEO and but he's on his way out of his company and then you have Brad who is a down on a down on his luck uh actor or I don't even know what he does for a job oh but, he's he's like IT he, yeah. yeah but this is the role that Jack Black he's a programmer. is famous for no a down on the luck type of guy well yes that's true and but they all want to beat Kenny. Yeah, they he so he has a record of 732 birds. It, it counts from January 1st to December 31st. And he had done it a while ago. It's uh, you know several years ago, I guess. Yeah, it'd been like 10 years or so. Yeah, and um nobody has bro- broken his record, but um like specifically these guys like Brad and Stu are are trying specifically to break that record. Like they're yeah. they're going for it. And but then uh, Kenny is also going for it that as well. And you mentioned the, like the secrecy around it, which I'm sure this is probably real. Like, I oh, mean, yeah, I'm sure like people really do this in real life. And, um, I've looked up some of the numbers. The numbers are even higher now in, you know, in the last four or five years, but, um, probably because of this movie, <laughs> I don't know, but, um, but yeah, they, they are secretive on purpose cause they don't want to like tip each other off. It's like, how many do you have so far? And, um, you know, they want to surprise everybody with their big number at the end, at, at the end of the year. And so there's, um, there's even though Stu and Brad clearly become like really close friends by the end of the movie, they are even secretive with each other when they first meet. And mm-hmm. it's, um, that part of it is really interesting to me. Like th- this is like a big competition that yeah. just happens to take a year long to, to, to pull out. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so these, I okay. Here's the thing that you need to know about this movie. 
Um, if you're looking for like a laugh out loud comedy, I, this is not the movie. I, I really thought like, and the whole reason I wanted to watch this is because I'm like Steve Martin, Jack Black, Owen Wilson, that thing's going to be hilarious. Like I'm just going to be laughing the entire movie. I, I think a lot of critics thought that as well. I look, I kind of skimmed over Rotten Tomatoes on this after I watched it. And a lot of them were like, it's not funny at all. You know, um, you know, they, they, there's, they're going for comedy, but it doesn't land. I'm like, I don't think this movie's going for comedy. I just don't. Like, yeah. there are, are there funny scenes in it? Yes, but there's funny scenes in some dramas and romantic movies. Like, there there's always like you know a kind of. I mean, MCU. Th- those movies are not comedies, but there's a ton of funny stuff that happens in those movies. Mm-hmm. So, I but I wouldn't call it a comedy. So. I wouldn't call this movie a comedy either. I to me it's a drama, um, and it just happens to star comedians. And I think a lot of people went into the movie thinking, "Oh, this is gonna be a barrel of laughs." Walked out going, "Man, that wasn't funny at all," yeah. and then get slapped it with a bad review. Where I think if if they went in, if which, they were gone for funny, it probably would have done a lot better with the critics. Yes, I think I think they made two, one of two mistakes. They either. Uh, wanted to make this movie funny and it just didn't land, which I don't think that's, that's the case or they were going for drama, but cast comedians. And I wouldn't have done that. Yeah. I, I honestly would have recast this movie as like people who are known for their drama chops. Like that are, are people that are not trying to be funny in most of their roles. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they went for comedians for whatever reason. And all, you know, all of these guys, Steve Martin included have done serious roles. So it's not like these guys only do funny stuff, mm-hmm. but um, I mean, I think even back then, Jack Black was mostly known for funny stuff. Like, um, I don't know. I, I think it was a mistake to to cast it the way that they did. Yeah. So, but overall, I think the movie's actually pretty good. Like, I enjoyed it. Um, I do think it's a little slow, and I think it's a little too long. Um, the movie is almost two hours long. It's yeah. like hour and forty five, hour and forty six. Um, I think there's definitely too much bird watching <laughs> in the movie, even though the movie is clearly about uh, birding as they call it. But um, I wanted more like substantial conversations and st- way too many of the conversations about what's your number, what's your technique, that stuff that I don't think the average moviegoer is interested in. Um, however, where the movie gets relational, like between characters and like their wives are involved and their parents are involved, I think that stuff's actually pretty strong and I was in for a lot of that stuff. Yeah. I would agree with that. And you really, as you go through the movie, you realize how really in Kenny's life it is him and him alone yeah, or him and the birds. Because he talks about earlier in the movie about how he's not on his first marriage. It's, who knows how many times he's been married. Yeah. But I mean, all his current wife wants is to have a baby. And he really wants that to happen, but not as much as he wants to make sure that he is the best birder ever. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, 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 the theme of the movie is clearly what you just stated. That is what the movie is trying to teach us uh, as we watch it. Um, for me that, that did not become totally clear until too late in the movie. I think they, they really didn't make that like, okay, this is what the movie's about until about 45 minutes in. And to me that was too late. Like I, I, I could see how a lot of audiences would just be like, you lost me like I half an hour. I gave you a half an hour and you didn't 
tell me where this movie was going or what the point of it was. And so you like, I bailed at like 30 minutes. And if you stick it out and actually get to halfway through the movie, I think you'll start to get that theme and it will become clear. And the reason why you want to watch it yeah. all, all the way to the end, I think just waited too long to get there. But yeah, that uh, Kenny, um, you know, ends up losing his wife at the end for the sake of, you know, yeah. he, he, he literally was about to enter the hospital and then he just, yeah, the snowy owl. Yeah, because they're doing like in vitro or yeah or some fertilization of some some kind, and yeah, that this one bird that has eluded him all year finally shows up and he's got a lead on it and he just bails on his wife and that was going to be their moment to actually like get her pregnant and he can't even be there for that and so she's like it's over it, you know we're done and you see the opposite happen with the other two main characters um, Jack Black's uh, Brad character and um, Steve Martin's Stu character actually end up deepening their relationships and almost even to the fact where like Brad picks up a girlfriend by the end. So, like, yeah. um, they, these are people that, that yes, love bird watching. They're never going to give up on burning, but they all, they also understand that there are things that are more important in life than this hobby. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that, that is definitely the, the takeaway, the key to the movie. Um, it just takes an awful long to get wet long time to get there. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. So, um, I learned a lot about birds in the yeah. movie. Like I, I, I mean, it's again very slow, but um, there is a culture. It's not a documentary, but but the, you learn a lot in this movie about this this whole culture that you never knew existed. Do you want to go to Alaska with me, Phil? <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I want to go to that place. We can go <laughs> once a week. Uh, what was that? What was that town or that uh, Atu is what they call Atu. it? Atu. It's. It's so far off of the so like there's like mainland Alaska and then there's like all this series of islands yeah. that you've you've seen it on the map a thousand times that come off of like the southwest corner of it, and the one that's the furthest away. It's literally closer to Tokyo <laughs> than it is Alaska. To, yeah, it's off the coast of Japan is where it is, um, and so that's where they go because they can only go to I think they were competing. I got the gist. They North were North America. It's, yeah, it's only North American. So they can go to British Columbia. They they go to Canada, to Canada at one point. They go to Mexico, <clears throat> but they can't go to Japan or you know China. China is Kenny's big thing. He's always wanted to go to China. Yeah. Um, but this place is like off the coast of Japan. It is still technically North America. And there's some birds out there that only like, if you're going to go to North America, this is the only place to see these birds. But it's like a, it's like a heyday of birds. Like there's like, don't they pick up like 30 or 40 birds oh, yeah. or something like that there? So, um, but dude, th- there are not a lot of laughs in the movie, but that honeymooning couple, I laughed several times at. They were really funny. They The guy guy drags his wife. He's a birder. He drags his wife on their honeymoon to Atu, Alaska, which is in the middle of nowhere. No, There are no permanent residents in, in Atu. Nobody lives there. Except the lady that <laughs> runs like yeah. the lodge, I guess. Yeah. Like like birding is kind of like their main export there <laughs> of like yeah. business. And so like they, he drags her all the way up there on their honeymoon and it's just like, there's like a, a dorm basically that everyone sleeps in and it's terrible. Yeah. And, um, she hates, like apparently hates birds and like, I don't know how, how she even agreed to go there, but, um, yeah, that part, that was part was pretty funny. Yeah. I would agree with that. You want to talk about the, the, uh, Hitchcock part? Oh yeah. So, um, the, uh, lady she uh they're like cooking a meal or something i don't even remember what the meal's called well they're 
Yeah, they're they're slicing up fish for bait. Yeah, like to oh yeah lure to, these birds. to lure the birds in, and they make a mess. So they use what looks like a washcloth, but it's actually this lady's scarf, and so she's just like I'm done, and so she walks out with her scarf. And they're just like, oh, this is a bad idea. And all of a sudden, all these birds just like surround her. <laughs> and her husband has to like come and rescue her. <laughs> and what does Kenny say? is like, oh, it's very Hitchcockian or yeah. whatever. Um, they had to make a birds, uh, the birds res- reference at some point. Um, I like how they're all from very different uh, standings. Like uh, Kenny has kind of made this like his... I mean, he owns like a construction company apparently because he yeah. keeps talking about his competition um, and his wife wants to do all this construction on their home. But that like Stu's business is, is made a lot of. You get to see um, that's where um, Joel McHale Joel McHale comes in and, and um, gosh, I just literally just read his name and forgot it. <laughs> um, both of those guys come in and are like, I'm trying to run the business without him. Um, and uh, Kevin Pollock is the other guy. And like they're trying to just keep the business afloat and there are some really great good deals coming down. But these birders, like, I mean, I'm assuming this is kind of like real, real life, but, um, at the beginning of the movie, it says, um, this is a true story. Only the facts have been changed, which I I thought that was funny, but like, uh, it does seem like it's based on real life that these guys every weekend, I mean, it's weekends for Brad because he's, he has to work full time. He's poor. Mm -hmm. Uh, he saved $5,000 and he needs like, you know, 5,000 in credit to like even pull this off. And he's working Monday through Friday every week of the year. He can only do this on weekends. And then you have Stu who can leave whenever he wants. He's got his own private helicopter. Um, and it's only for Stu's help that Brad even becomes second place at the end of the movie. Uh, you know, spoilers, but like Kenny wins anyways, even though he's a jerk for the entire movie. But, uh, Brad, like, just doesn't have the money. He doesn't have the means to do it. If you're going to be a real player, you have to actually have some cash, some Mm -hmm. capital to do this. And it's only because of Stu's like private copter, private jet and stuff like that, that he has being the CEO of this big company that, that Brad can even attain the goal that he attains. So, but yeah, I I like seeing like Brad, like basically claw his way up to the top where it's really easy for Kenny and Stu. Stu doesn't even come in third. He comes in fourth and it's really just because he's trying to focus on family. He has a, a grandson in the middle of the year and takes time off to spend time with his family and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. But yeah, Kenny's a total jerk. Like there's that scene where they crash their car and his his friend that's like has a broken. Yeah, he's like, I think my arm's broken. He's like, Shh, did you hear that? I hear a bird. <laughs> what a guy. Yeah, he's he's such a jerk, the entire thing. Um, but they go to some really unusual places. There's um a part where they go to a dump. Like it's a literal it's a Brownsville, Virginia or whatever state dump. Texas. Texas. Um they go to there's several scenes where they go on that boat. Um, there's that lady that, that <laughs> rents the tour guide yeah. ship that changed her legal name. <laughs> and her and Kenny don't get along. Yeah. Because when he was trying to break the record to begin with, she wanted to stop and see a whale. And he was not about that at all. <laughs> um, so, so, Which that was one of the funnier parts too. That flashback of him like arguing with her. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I liked their, their funny relationship and then, um, how like Stu is like incredibly seasick, like every time he gets on a boat. So he's got something else going on. And then, um, you know, Brad's just, Brad's the good guy of the movie. Like he's, yeah. he's just trying to make his way, uh, into a, to a big year. But, 
Um, the, the movie has a, um, I don't know what year this movie is supposed to take place in, but it has a, um, like a throwback phrase that they keep mentioning. They keep saying El Nino <laughs> and like, like if you were around for El Nino, if you're like super young listening to this, maybe you have no idea what El Nino is, but like they keep talking about how El Nino is helping them with this big year because apparently like when a big hurricane or storm comes in, it's really good for birders because like the storm will like legitimately br- like, um, like bring in birds that don't normally would yeah. normally be there or at that time of year and like cause them to like, um, like go to grounds, like go to lands and like, you know, wait out the storm and stuff like mm. that. So they wait for storms. And, and when they see El Nino come in, um, that's when they like, uh, flock for better, <laughs> lack of a better word. Get a grant. Yeah, I do. <laughs> All the birders flock over to, to where El Nino is, is dropping so they can catch some birds. Yeah. And another like funny, well, it's not, it kind of, it's humorous in this movie, but I mean, for somebody to do this, you're like, what kind of jerk does this? But literally, Kenny has his own handicap uh, <laughs> sticker that he oh, yeah. he literally gets all the best parking places <laughs> at these national parks, literally because he somehow found a handicap parking sticker. Yeah. And he just puts it right on his car and then goes <laughs> on his own business. Yeah, that's definitely slimy for sure. Um, the the uh, I would say the main characters really are Steve Martin and Kenny is really a, kind of a tertiary character. Yeah, but, uh, Steve Martin and Jack Black's doing and and um, uh, whatever his name is, Brad. Um, they at one point they think that he's cheating. Yeah, and what, something I didn't know, and so, again I learned a lot about just a big year and birding in general. It's all honor system. Yeah, they don't even have to, have to take pictures crazy. of them. Yeah, that's crazy that they can do that. Um, I, maybe it's different now, but like when this movie was made, like it is all honor yeah. system. You don't have to take a single picture. So they just trust each other that they actually have seen these birds, and then whoever says that that's my number, that person wins, I guess. But they but, think they think he's cheating for the entire movie. They find out later, almost to the end of the movie, he's, not. he's actually not been cheating. He's doing some other slimy stuff, like the handicap sign. But. Yeah, and he. He he does the maneuver when I don't even remember where they are, but he knows that these guys are following him and he literally (laughs) like goes up and asks like the lady and you assume he's going somewhere else, but then you find out he's just trying to get them to go somewhere else. (laughs) And so, I mean, those are kind of like laugh out loud moments if there are some. Yeah. I I think the money, the, the line that I laughed out loud the, the most to was I'll have to reference it first. There, there's a scene earlier in the movie where Stu and Brad go to dinner together. To, they saw 136 birds in one day yeah. because of the whole El Nino thing. And so they, they go out to celebrate. Right. And Brad is li- like living on like salami <laughs> and, and like just ramen and stuff like that just yeah. to, just to make it through the year. Right. And so, um, you know, he goes out to this really fancy steakhouse and, and Stu pays for everything because he's rich. And, um, and in the course of that dinner finds out that Brad is going for a big year. Cause again, like you said earlier, it's very secretive. Yep. Like these guys don't share that information freely with each other because they don't want to tip each other off, but he shares it with Stu over dinner or whatever. Then there's a scene in Atu where like in, in front of this guy that's just w- walking by, he screams out, he's like, you know, you took me, took me to dinner just to get what you wanted. <laughs> and that guy's like, uh, <laughs> What did I just walk by? Or he also says, you got or me. You, you bought me drinks. You bought me drinks <laughs> and got what you wanted. 
I, I mean, that that line definitely has like a uh, like a dark context now, but like in 2011, like I I thought it was so funny. You bought me drinks and you got me what, got what you wanted. Yeah, that was humorous for sure. So there's there are some funny lines like that and some funny scenes, but it's not going for that for the most part. In fact, there's a lot of beauty in this movie. Like the the scenery is really gorgeous. Um, they go to some really exotic yeah. places I've never seen on film before, like the dumpster. Yeah, like yeah. the dumpster. Um, Atu is just really gorgeous. They did a lot of this in uh, filming in, in Vancouver. Um, they uh, there's a really beautiful scene of bald eagles, mm-hmm. um, which I didn't even know they did this. Yeah, but me like either. a male and a female bald eagle will meet in the air and and grasp their claws together. Like yep. a male claw and female claw will grasp grasp it together. The talons will wrap it around each other, and then they'll spin. In, in a, free fall. Yeah, in free fall in like a cl- counterclockwise motion all mm-hmm. the way down to the ground. And uh, and then right before they hit the ground, they, they break and then fly off. And how they were like, these bird watchers are like looking for moments like that of like, that's like, you know, the pinnacle of their day or their week or whatever is to see, to catch a, a glimpse of something like that. And I was like, wow, there's, there's a real beauty to this hobby that yeah. I would have never, I thought it was just like, oh, there's a bird on a tree. Great. You know, yeah. check it off the list. But like, they're actually going for these moments. Um, and I thought that, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. And then another funny scene. Uh, once again, all the places kind of run together and <laughs> yeah. uh, they're going after another rare bird and there's like a Girl Scout troop. I don't know or a troop of girls that are exploring and uh, Kenny literally picks them up and moves them. There's this one person bridge pretty much, or one lane bridge. And he literally picks up the girl scouts and just runs by. And then the troop leader's like, I'm not going to stand for this. So <laughs> Stu and Brad are coming behind and she's like, you'll just have to wait. And then they end up missing the bird yeah. because of it. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of things like where they miss the. There's a part where Stu misses the plane, and there's only like one plane a week yeah. that goes to Atu, and so like he ends up ha- he's like a week behind just because he. Missed so the he's plane. like chasing after the plane with his bags, and and Kenny's just looking out. I I'm okay. just laughing now. I want to say this. I was going to say this at some point. Um, and I know you probably still haven't watched this movie, even though I've recommended it to you like two or three times. The movie Rat Race, which I think also came out around this same time oh, as this movie. I thought movie. you were going to say Flora and Ulysses. No, no, no. I, I mean, definitely watch that one as <laughs> well. But uh, you need to see Rat Race uh, for two reasons. One is it is the comedy version of this movie because um, they're it's it's they're globe trotting instead yeah. of just uh, North America. But um, but it's also the Amazing Race, but like in a comedy movie. I know you love the Amazing Race TV show. So, um, but yeah, Rat Race. If you're looking for them like compete like people watching people compete against one one another and like going on planes and trains and automobiles to get there and stuff like that uh, that rat- sounds like another movie film. yeah <laughs> uh rat race is definitely the movie to watch yeah um, it's and it's hilarious that movie's really funny i honestly like when i didn't watch a trailer or anything before watching this movie i just saw the cast and i kind of read a brief description and i was like oh this movie's gonna be like rat race and it is not like it's it's not even close um, so yeah, it, this movie I think is going for serious and I, for me, it delivered. Like I, I think the movie's actually pretty good. Um, but it, it has everything to do with your expectations. I, I, I might say that. So, um, these guys really see like birding as a calling and, yep. and one of the characters actually says that at one point it's, it's not a job. There's no money in it. Uh, at one point, uh, you know, Brad's the whole thing with Brad's dad is that he's like, 
So you're going to get like, you know, cash off of this, right? There's, there's like a prize. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, there's no prize. And like, and then his, his, uh, his employer at one point, Brad's employer says, um, so like you're going to get some sweet, some sweet cash off of this. And he's like, he's like, oh yeah, the, the, um, the bird seed, whatever. Yeah. The <laughs> bird seed, uh, I don't even like know. Commer- what. Like he's yeah. giving me commercials for birdseed and yeah. that's, that's going to make him a lot of money. And he's like, Oh really? And he's like, no, there's, <laughs> there's no such thing as birdseed commercials. Um, so yeah, like th- these guys put their whole lives on hold. Uh, Stu like barely even sees his wife for like almost the entire year. Think about that. Like yeah. I, uh, my wife would not handle <laughs> me having this kind of hobby where I'm just gone. I never see her for, yeah. a, for a whole year. Um, but for them, it's like it's more than just a hobby. It's a, it's a calling. It's like it's like I'm I'm called in life to do this. So, um, yeah. But I will, ultimately, the movie's about um, what's important to you in your life. Yeah, uh, family, for sure. uh, your job, you know, your hobby. What what takes first place? And I think that's kind of. I guess we can kind of wrap up with this last line, but um, it, it's between Kenny and Jess, which is his wife that is trying to have a baby and is really is in love with Kenny, but Kenny's just never there. And at one point uh, she has a great lines, very simple line, but Kenny says um, uh, they're having this really like dark moment right before she leaves him. And he's like, I got to get out there. Nobody remembers who comes in second. You know, yeah. he has to be first. And that, that's a, heavy hitting line right there yeah he says nobody remembers who comes in second and she says i know yeah Be- because she, she is, is second s- yep <laughs> to him which to his hobby yeah i mean that's a, that's a super dark line but it's super great like it, yeah. it definitely gets the point across and she um tells him that she still loves him but i can't be married to you yeah so yeah and it's it's kind of like inferred she, she says that she hasn't slept with him or anything but like it's kind of inferred that she's kind of you know becoming very attached to this Frank guy, you know, that because I mean, Kenny's just not been there. (laughs) So, um, anyway, so I I think it's a recommend. I, I I would definitely, if you haven't, if you've, you know, listened to all this and you still haven't seen it, um, I don't think we've spoiled anything that would make you not enjoy the movie. I think it's, it's worth watching. Um, just know it's not a comedy. Like it's, you're not going to go in there with a barrel of laughs. Like it's going to be a serious movie about this whole culture, bold bird culture that you've never heard about. Um, so, I I have to assume it's based on real life people, even though yeah. it's, it's clearly just a made up story. So, um, let's finish out with a couple uh, segments. I'm going to assume you haven't wa- had time to watch much else in the no. last. <laughs> I haven't either. Uh, we just we uh, just recorded like three days yeah. ago, <laughs> so we we really haven't had much time to watch anything except for just what we've been talking about today. Uh, we'll have uh, you know a week or so between the next recording. Maybe we'll throw something else in there. And what else are you watching? But. Um, we'll wrap up with what's new on Disney plus this week, what's coming out this week. Um, so this is for, I'm going to say the date this time, Friday, April 16th. Look, I did it. Thank you, Phil. (laughs) Wasn't sure which date you were going for. Yeah. Uh, Friday, April 16th. This is what's uh, new to Disney plus. So obviously the, I'll get the obvious ones out of the way. My new docs game changers episode, uh, three, uh, no four, sorry, four. I can't do math. Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, episode five. Uh, there is a new show that I, I don't think we're going to cover. Um, I, I don't have any plans to watching it. To watch it, if we have a guest on, and they want to talk about it. That's fine. It might be like a summer, Catch maybe up. like a recap. Yeah, if somebody's interested in it. Yeah, I think it's worth mentioning though. It's it's a shot. It's a show. Um, I think it's episode one is the only thing that's coming out this Friday. So you can assume this is like a weekly show uh, called Big Shot. Um, it is 
um, most famously starring John Stamos from um, Full House. Full House fame. Uh, he is the coach of a uh, men's. He was a men's basketball coach that has to take a job at, at an all girls high school. So he's yep. not t- coach like girls, let alone young girls before. And so he's. Um, it's a show basically about him you know, kind of changing his thinking how to coach differently, um, you know, to a very different group of people. Um, so if that sounds, speaks your language, you know, if you're into Mighty Ducks and you think that this sounds, this kind of sports show sounds interesting to you, you might check it out. Or if you really like John Stamos, uh, that show is starting on Friday, episode one. Uh, like I said, I don't know that we'll cover it on this podcast, but uh, that is something to, to look forward to. Um, Earth Earth Moods is a, another National Geographic. They keep putting out these National Geographic things. And even though I don't watch most of them, um, I really enjoyed the uh, Free Solo uh, documentary about mm-hmm. uh, the guy that, that Free Solo's, um, that, that huge rock in Yosemite. <laughs> can't, yeah. can't think of the name of it. Um, and, you know, the, just I really enjoyed that hour and a half or whatever. So definitely watch that. But like a lot, of, a lot of people don't even know that National Geographic is owned by Disney and that mm-hmm. it's a big part of Disney Plus's documentary offerings. And they keep putting out more stuff. So um, this one, uh, Earth Moods, is um, a, a transportation to different uh, like calm, colorful and calming corners of the world. Okay. So you, like through the documentary, you see blue, great, blue glaciers, uh, deserts, lush rain, rainforests. It's just kind of a... Um, it says Earth Moods. It's supposed to be like uh, mood, mood viewing, like something you might have on in the background or something like okay. that. So kind of interesting take. Interesting. Uh, Treasure Buddies. This is Grant's like top t- one of his top ten favorite movies. Treasure Buddies. Yeah, um, haven't seen it. Probably won't see it. Is this? It's based off like the Air Buddies. Okay, I thought that's. I almost went that way, but the, but then I was like, I don't know. This is Buddies. It is Air Buds, but yeah, like it's the puppies. The seventh or eighth or ninth or eleventh yeah, movie. There's a in ton that. of them. <laughs> so. Um, with the help of Babby the monkey and Cammy the camel, the buddies head for ancient Egyptian ruins in search of treasure. That sounds terrible. I, I will never watch that movie. Not even with Jordan. She can watch it on her own. Um, White Fang 2. I didn't even know there was a White Fang 2. I knew about the first movie, White Fang. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's White Fang 2, Myth of the White Wolf. Um, I'm assuming that's like was like a straight to video movie, but it's coming. Is Sulphur Springs done? They're done. Yeah, season finale was last week. Yeah, we'll, we'll never mention that show ever again until season two. Um, Primal Survi- Survivor is a National Geographic. It kind of looks like a um, uh, reality TV show. Um, okay. So it's about this guy named Hazen Audell or whatever that um, basically lives in the most inhospitable wilderness you can find and you know finds a way to survive with his instincts and survival techniques. Uh, then a movie that... Unless we change our minds, I think it's maybe going to be the movie we review next week uh, on the show. So if you want to watch what we're watching, obviously Mighty Ducks and The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And there is a movie that came out a couple of years ago that I don't think either of us saw uh, yep. called The Kid Who Would Be King. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, two, a 2019 movie. It's about a 12-year-old boy that finds Excalibur, like King Arthur's sword, and ends up having to fight an evil sorceress and all of the the negative things that she's doing. It's a fantasy type movie starring kids. So take that for a grain of salt. But I mean, it is really high on Rotten Tomatoes. It's like an 89%. So yeah, um, I'd like to check it out. I just, I don't know if it's going to be good or not, but it can't be any worse than um, uh, what's that fantasy movie that we got last year that was straight to Disney plus. 
Um, based on a book. Artemis Fowl. Yeah, it can't be worse than Artemis Fowl, right? We'll we'll find out. (laughs) Yep, we'll see. So The Kid Who Would Be King is coming out on Friday, and I think we're going to watch that one. And then another big movie, one we won't talk about on the podcast probably, is uh, Rio. So this is not a Disney movie. Like I'm pretty sure this is a 20th century bring-in. You are right. um, I remember thinking it was okay. Um, It's an animated movie, kind of in the same vein as like Madagascar or something like that. Uh, about uh, birds in Brazil. I think it's like Sao Paulo or whatever. So, um, uh, yeah, if you have kids, I I think check that one out. um, I remember it being somewhat funny, but not like, you know, laugh out loud. A lot of stars in it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that one's coming um, to Disney Plus this Friday as well. So, um, thanks, Grant. Yep. I like doing this with you every week. It's a lot of fun. It's good, Phil. We get to talk about cool fun stuff yeah so, for sure uh if you're listening to this and you want to let us know what you want to hear us talk about on the podcast or you just want to chime in with your own review on something that you've watched on disney plus we'd love to include you in the show the way to do that is disney plus reviews at hotmail.com and that's plus all spelled out um, you can send us an audio file if you want to talk we'll play the audio file on the show or if you just want to send us an email we'd be happy to read that on the show we've done that for s- several people that have uh, written into the show before. Uh, again, remember next week we're going to talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier, Mighty Ducks Game Changers, and also the movie The Kid Who Would Be King, which doesn't come out until Friday uh, as you're listening to this. So we will see you next week for that. 